Welcome to another edition of The Gerg Show with your host, me, myself, Yo Gerg Anadam, and you're listening to IndieScenedRadio.com. All indie, all the time. Let's get this uh, show on the road. We are very excited for our show tonight. We're featuring something really very special and new. We are featuring uh, some very cool music by an artist out of Los Angeles, but she's also a comedian. So we're going to have lots of fun and laughs, and we'll be rocking out to some poppy pump music by Shayna Ross. Man, you guys are going to enjoy this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Hey, hello. hello. Is this uh, Shana? Shayna. Shayna, Shana, <laughs> Shushani? Whatever. Shayna, Shana, will <laughs> Welcome. You are alive on the Gerg Show on Indie Scene Radio. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Gerg. And I'd like to say I'm pretty sure there are several people into the Marvel movies. Uh, you said that there weren't, and I'm pretty sure everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you. I was having this conversation yesterday about... You know, uh, I was, I don't know, I was talking to this woman about it, right? And saying, and they like, and she, and she said, well, all the guys like those movies, those kind of movies. I'm like, well, duh. Yeah. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, uh, Marvel comics, right? The men you're referring to were boys when these comics were out. So now they're in movies <laughs> and, you know, kind of core. Uh, but I said it tug-in-cheek. I said there weren't a lot. But I'll tell you, it's, uh, from what I understand, it is the biggest box office opening hit ever. Oh, yeah. And considering in this market where nothing makes money anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, people like movies with hot chicks and superheroes. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, even the comics did too, right? That was kind of pseudo-sexual yeah, magazines for little boys back in the 50s and 60s, right? They'd be like... Of course. Up naturally. So uh, did you see the movie? Uh, no, I have a life. No, just kidding. Oh, oh, ah. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, according to Shana, you just wasted your money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, no, it's, it's, listen, I spent all weekend crying in bed about how, uh, how I don't get any gigs. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to wait in line for four hours. It's so funny. I didn't, um... I didn't have to wait. You know what I did? Really? I, yeah. And I got my tickets for six ninety nine. Oh boy. Yeah. I just went to this small place up in New Hampshire. It was like fifteen minute ride. And I bought them online. So I stood in line at the ticket thing for like, I don't know, three minutes, handed the phone, they got the tickets, went in, sat down, boom. I got and your play. son was happy. You were happy. Yeah, and yeah. Sit down. Did you have to take a pee break? No, not me, man. <laughs> I stick it right out. Everything and, works, huh? Everything, you know, it's all on hold when I'm in the movies. Okay, um, got but it. I did bring Good my, you know. uh, I did bring my, uh, my beef jerky because you know I don't feel like paying twenty bucks for a small bucket of popcorn. Okay, uh, nothing uh, like a good slab of beef jerky to. Really get the movies going. It got my juices flowing, I'll tell you. It was it was a oh, great okay. movie. I don't know. Well, now we all know how to turn you on as a slab of beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. And so 
look, how about I tell people who the hell you are? Seen as okay, yeah. Tell know, everybody. There, who there the could hell be I am. some people that don't know who you are. So, ladies There's and gentlemen, a ton of people. yeah, <laughs> Shana Ross <laughs> is a stand-up comedian, singer, and writer from Los Angeles, California. Her roots I am. are her roots are deep-seated in the Sunset Strip. Although it said yeah. the L.A. punk and rock scene, right? You hone both yeah. your comedic and musical style by hammering it out on the famous Sunset Street at the clubs like the Go-Go, the Roxy, the Viper, the Comedy Store. And you travel all over the world regularly performing your brand of rock and roll comedy to sold-out shows. Yeah. So what the hell were you crying about? <laughs> Mostly for the fact that I can't get a man. Listen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I, I'm a, co a comedian now. I, I played in bands and I was a musician for many, many years. Right. So I, when I got into comedy, when most comedians get into uh, comedy, it's a little bit tougher for them because they've never been on stage. Right. But I've been on stage before, so even when I'm not funny, I at least look like I belong up there. Sure. You know, yeah. I, you know, I suppose... You know, I guess it's a little bit different. I don't know these days. It seems like you can like be outfitted in anything and get up and do music these days, unless you're going to be down in the Sunset Strip, and then you got to kind of really look the part and, <laughs> and, and all that sort of thing. But with with comedians, it's like um, I suppose it's anything goes, right? Because I've seen yeah, comedians. comics. Yeah, yeah, comics are a bit different. You see everybody from every walk of life. When you're in the rock and roll scene, everybody looks like a rock and roller, right? Yeah. Everybody has the same haircut. <laughs> Do they? Kind of. We no. all wear black. We all wear leather. Um, yeah. In, I used to tell people chick singers either have black hair or bleach blonde hair. And there's <laughs> nothing in between. Unless you're Shirley Manson. Or, um, or a redhead. I've seen yeah, yeah. a few. Like well, you know, the, 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 yeah, yeah. a lot of girls, uh, a lot of artists are, are painting their hair green and blue and now they are, yeah. fuchsia, all in one head. It's, yeah, it's but kinda... like Cindy, uh, Cindy Lauper started that all in the 80s. So it's all her fault. God. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, blame it on the talent, the act, like the talented person. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least she was talented. I can't say as much for myself. Well, I think you're pretty okay, actually. So thank you, man. Uh, let's uh, let's let's uh, dive in here, right? So, so did you grow up in L.A. or is it like outer the greater Los Angeles area? Like I lived no, no, in Redondo up, yeah. once. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> you were with all the white people. <laughs> was that well? Was it lame in '80? Because that's when I was there. Redondo Beach is kind of where I guess Vince Neil was there right. in that time. Yeah, but most people were in Hollywood. Ah. Most people are from uh, the greater Los Angeles area, which is like Hollywood, downtown. Now there's a ton of people downtown. Right. I'm, uh, I'm closer to West L.A., so I can get to the clubs easier. Right. I don't want to drive all night because I like to get places a little bit late. <laughs> like, I hear that's a big thing, you know? People, like, they would say, you're going to go to Nam? Well, make sure you don't go to any of these hotels way out there because it'll take you, like, yeah. two hours to drive, you know, what yeah. would normally take 10 minutes. Well, Nam is all the way in Anaheim where Disneyland is. Right. So that's way out there. Right. Um, it's two, It's a two-hour drive. And I've been to Nam. I stopped going because it's just like if you've ever been to the Guitar Center, 
that's what it's like, except on a bigger scale right. and um, <laughs> like kind of famous people are walking around. I think <laughs> I think I saw CC Deville one time and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I got some friends that are pretty big. Rockstars deals there. that go there. Well, yeah, somebody like Dave Amato's been playing for Ario Speedwagon yeah. for the past thirty something years. He shows up. Every... Yeah, but what twenty year old knows who he is? Uh, only the cool ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with music today. It's it like is. Kids don't know what what is actually. Uh, we're like they don't know rock and roll because it's not on the radio anymore. Isn't that sad? I mean, it's sad, but it's it's the way. Um, the industry has changed. It's kind of like the movie industry where you see the same actors in the same movies and there's no real growth. It's because um, like record labels don't really want to take chances unless it's a sure thing. Right. So, As um, if there is such a thing. Exactly. So the artists that do come out are usually pop artists right. or they're, <clears throat> they have massive followings on either Instagram or YouTube or something right. like that. Right. Because nobody wants to take a chance on something unless it's going to make money because records don't sell anymore. Yeah. Well, I, know I don't know. You know, it's, it's, I think the, the, because the, the three biggies, the industry, right, they, they mm -hmm. missed the boat when it came to the Internet. They really did, and they just didn't know how or didn't show enough interest in navigating their way from the old school to the new school. Well, and why would you want to, like, go after something if you know what you do was making money for 50 years, right? Yeah, so, sure, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, but here they are, all broke. Yeah, and, right? well, Napster happened, and then, you know— it opened the door for everything. Now, even I have Spotify where I pay $10 a month and I could just listen to everything off of Spotify mm -hmm. and not buy a record ever. Sure, you could. But now, uh, do you ever, like, have you thrown out all your CDs and all of that sort of thing? No, I'm pretty nostalgic when it comes to that stuff. I have all my CDs, and, and there's a really big record store here in Los Angeles called Amoeba. It started up in San Francisco. Right. So I still go in there and look at stuff, but it's not like it used to be. I used to cherish every CD I bought because it was the only because the internet wasn't so prevalent when I was growing up right. that the only way to really learn about your artists is to read the liner notes and then to read a book about them. There was no Wikipedia. True, true, true. But you see, so actually that's, I think physical sales and or digital sales so that you can get the artwork and all of that sort of stuff. I, I it's a lot of people want to predict the death of those things, but, you know, for the first time, like, they reintroducing vinyl into the market because these younger kids are wanting yeah. to have vinyl because their parents or their grandparents turn them on to rock from the 60s and 70s on album. And so they're like, wow, man, what is it? And so for the first time, album sales, vinyl album sales outsold oh yeah digital and streaming combined in 2018 so i don't yeah, know you know people know. are hard pressed think, to give up their stuff i think yeah i think a lot of people also like the idea of going and holding a record and right. the sound that a record makes rather than a cd the cd is so clean and with the record you really get the nuances right. and um yeah record collectors 
but there's not that many like compared to who used to buy CDs there's right. not that many record collectors yeah um, yeah all the big collectors have already done collecting I read about this guy down in Brazil he's got over four million records yeah uh, it's yeah how are you gonna compete with that right you're not gonna compete with that I think it's just a way of um like I don't have a record player because where am I going to keep all these records? I don't. I don't have to. Like I'll just get a little player and then play it off my either iTunes or my Spotify. Right. And it makes it e everything is easier. I have an ebook for reading, so now every bookstore is closed. Everything is based off of digital. Right. Well, you know, this and, is that transition into the matrix. You know. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going into the matrix. But I do think that times, as Bob Dylan said, times are changing. And, and they have changed um, so rapidly that how do you conform? And someone like me, um, I didn't take up comedy because I was like, well, I have no music career. I took right. up comedy because... Because um, you were freaking funny. Well... It wasn't so much that I was going through a lot with personal stuff and I've said it on other um, podcasts and my mom got sick and so I had to quit my band and quit my job to take care of my mom. Um. And yeah, and I was going crazy. What do you do? You're lying with your mom who has cancer and she's going through chemo treatments and you have to take her. And I had a friend who just suggested, why don't you take a comedy class? And I thought, right. uh, okay, like a stand up class. And she goes, you're funny. Why not do that for fun? And it was on Saturdays. I didn't have my mom on Saturdays. Right. I know I'm talking a million miles per hour right now. It's all good. I'm good at talking. Talk. Uh, and so uh, I took the class, and the first time I got up, um, I had never experienced anything quite like that. Mm -hmm. um, when you're a musician, I don't know if you're a musician, but when I you am. play music, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you play music, there is a certain performance high. There's a performance high that comes with any kind of performance. Yep, so the actors adrenaline. get it. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyone that gives a big speech has it. Yep. I've never experienced a greater performance high than doing stand-up. It's so cool. And it, yeah, and it was the, it was the biggest rush of my life. Awesome. And I thought, <laughs> well, I've never done drugs and I don't drink. This is... The perfect way to get my kicks <laughs> like, there you go yeah it was a lot of fun it was it's the most fun i've ever had it is fun i actually was a manager of a comedy stop oh cool a bunch of years ago and yeah, yeah i would have to you know obviously get up and do like a one minute quick thing little joke just to warm people up and introduce the first sure. person and get the hell off the stage but um being a natural ham and all it i just fell right into it and started telling stories about family and stuff which everybody <laughs> seems to want to know stories about my family i don't know whether it's because of how i tell the stories or whatever maybe it's just funny information but it's, it ended up it's working relatable. Yeah. yeah it's relatable anything that someone could relate back to they're gonna find funny and if you make fun of it it becomes almost uh like the best thing ever for that audience member because they totally get it right, right. we all have crazy family members we i do what i do is i get up and um i tease out my hair really big and i look like a real rock and roller mm -hmm. and i make fun of being a dirt bag and everybody's known that like dirt bag musician so they can relate to it <laughs>
Yeah. I never really kind of thought of it as dirtbag musician. I thought dirtbags were just, you know, dirtbags. No, no. I've dated enough dirtbag musicians to know (laughs) (laughs) we're all dirtbags. Oh, God. Nobody picks up a guitar for real. No guy picks up a guitar because they're like, yeah, I love music. They pick up a guitar because they're kind of nerdy and they want to get chicks. Uh, so, so you know, I mean, like, like all these guys that are like real handsome guitar players, like uh, Bon Jovi they were and nerds. stuff, right? They were, they were nerds. <laughs> he was yeah. a nerd in high school. <laughs> he was actually, right? Wasn't he working at his father's hairdressing shop too or something yeah, like well, that? Yeah, well, yeah, and that's just going to give him all kinds of other... Uh, con- like if someone says, "Oh, he's working at a hairdresser," like everyone at school is going to call him something, right? And um, especially in New Jersey, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like anybody that really gets into it, they love rock and roll, and they see it as something they want to be, right? Right? You don't get on stage unless you want people to think you're really cool or really, especially for rock and roll, right? And there's an I like an like there are idols we idolize mick jagger right we idolize keith richards we idolize all these guys and they were not the coolest guys in school you look at pictures from them when they were in high school or primary school and (laughs) they were just as fugly then than they are now (laughs) i wouldn't call them that because i'd still let them stick it to me I got weird tastes in men. That's all right. Um, you like you like folds. You like I, uh, aged yeah. crevices, wrinkles. I like dirt bags. Dirt bags. <laughs> <laughs> I like dirt bags. You, want me to say? you would think after all these years, like you know, Keith Richards and all his millions could buy a new pair of jeans, right? I, believe it or not, the jeans that guy is wearing are probably hundreds of dollars. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, because he could probably get away with going to Walmart and buying them for sixteen bucks. Maybe, but they wouldn't look as cool. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he has them specially made, right? The design. I have yeah, money. I have to throw it away. I have to have my jeans designed, right? I mean, when you have three hundred million dollars <laughs> as a whole, like the band, you're not just kind of spending it the way everybody else does except you have much more (laughs) right there's only so much equipment you can have but then again like you know friends like i have uh uh, dave he's got like a collection of over 200 guitars and you go how many more guitars can you have he goes all of them yeah he just wants all of them he just wants them (laughs) i know guitar players that are the same way they just collect gear collect gear collect gear Right. Um, I uh, I feel differently about what I want to collect. I collect dirt bags, you know. So is so. What does what do comedians collect? Jokes, right? Well, I think co- comedians collect stories because that's what we do, and right. f- that's my personal experience. I will do anything for a good story. Yeah. Um, I don't care what it is, whether it's going to a sex club, which I've done. <laughs> Well, anybody um, in their right mind has gone to a sex club, even if it's just out of curiosity, I, I tell you. I mean, most people haven't gone to sex like Oh, my I'm, I'm, mom I'm, so hasn't I, gone to a sex club. <laughs> I must be hanging out with the wrong crowd or the right crowd, yeah, yeah, depending yeah. upon your perspective. Right? And um, But, like, uh, you're also a rock and roller, so something like that appeals to you. But most people haven't done those I think it's because I'm a guy, things. but go ahead. 
no. Because <laughs> I, yeah, because guys are like, why would you do that? And it's because I want the experience. Sure. And um, we collect, and we collect people. We kind of have weirdos around us because they'll make us laugh. Or right. um, if a, if somebody can make me laugh, I will keep them around me for as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's kind of like a musician's muse, right? Uh, sure. It's just weird because you get, you know, material from everywhere, right? Like uh -huh. I get material from my mom. I get right. material from hanging out at the places like if I go to the Viper Room, right? I'll try to get material out of that. I'll get, I'll take jobs to get material out of like these little silly jobs that I do on the side. Uh -huh. You get material from wherever you can, going right. to the grocery store. Everything is like, whoever you date, you think, okay, how am I going to get material out of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, now you, being a singer, we have, you were kind enough to send some songs over that you sure. have recorded. I'd love to play that for our listening audience. The, they like I to feel listen bad to... for them because they have to listen to it. <laughs> well, I don't. See, you know, that's that's the real artist in you that's all humble. It's like, it, it's a, it's, I think it's a, um, it's a contrast of emotions, right? On one hand, it's like, oh, this is my baby. I love it. I did this. And then other people, you go to play it for somebody and you always try to downplay it to be humble and stuff. But it's really good stuff. I don't know why. Well, we thank even you think, very yeah. much. Uh, no, I, I make fun of myself a lot. There's a lot of self-deprecation. I'm proud of all the things I've done. I think that the songs I've sent you are... Um, they stand up even today like you can listen to it and it doesn't sound old right but um i haven't really promoted music in such a long time right i've been doing the comedy thing but it's nice to to be able to play it for people sure how long you've been doing the comedy thing now i've been doing the comedy thing for like two two and a half years now so cool. yeah so is that a I long time really it's not a long time in perspective of most comics, but right. because I have so much so much experience being on stage, right. I've I've been very 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 lucky. I have to say that I most comics where where I'm at haven't been able to travel around the world and do, do shows or right, right. haven't been given the opportunities to do what I've done with right. it. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's mainly because. Uh, I don't really take no for an answer and I don't look at, <laughs> yeah, I don't look at where I am right now as like, oh, I'm just starting out. I'm like, no, who cares? I'm going to get out and do it. If nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. And there you go. And here you are. You're here. You're doing it, traveling the world. And let's talk about, let's play some songs and I'll play sure. a couple of songs, right? And then we'll come back and we'll talk about your history um as as a comedian but i also want to talk about the music days too like how'd you get into that and all awesome that kind sounds of fun thing. cool all right so the first two songs that i queued up are uh, all or none and little girl right so oh, cool. let's let's preempt this with like who were you playing with uh, did you write these songs yes uh, pretty much everything i've ever um <clears throat> recorded i wrote the songs right so all or none um i recorded it with uh jacob bunton you guys might know him he's the lead singer of adler yep. he also has a band called Linum. Mm -hmm. uh 
and he's one of my really close friends, but he also produces a lot of great musicians and yeah. bands and, and uh, works with a lot of different artists. And so I wrote the song. He produced it. He helped write um, part of it. And uh, that's how that song came about. And it's more new wavy. Right. Um, I was really into like doing something new wave, like Missing Persons or Blondie at the time. Uh-huh. And then a Little Girl, I wrote in oh man a couple years ago (laughs) um and i worked with a producer uh named noah shane Mm -hmm. and then uh i was in a band with this guy named kevin rentgen and the band was called hot mess h-o-t-t-m-e-s-s okay and it was more of a, a a poppy rock band and um that got a little bit of airplay, which is kind of weird over in India. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So like, at least Indians like me. I'm glad oh that made you God. laugh. <laughs> well, well, you know, so, okay. Maybe it's just the, the uh, street rat in me. <laughs> You're thinking, right? Okay. So in India, right, they still have like this tradition of like, arranged marriages with girls yep. like girls like 10 yep. 11 year old girls well i don't know if they're 10 or 11 but they're definitely i have friends that are indian yes and they get married um just depending on uh i know that it's changing a little bit sure but it's it's not america it's a third world country right. so it's not america and there's very uh, rich people and then there's very poor people and there's right. no one in the middle. That's right. So, um, but it, but it was cool. Some guy discovered me and he ran a radio station and started playing it and and I was very very grateful for it. Cool. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So here we are. We have a couple of songs from our featured artist, Shana Ross, a singer, a now comedian, kind of closet singer at this point. But I, <laughs> I really kind of dig this stuff, man. Why is she's totally cool? I don't see why she makes fun of her music. But I suppose we could find some things to make fun I'm of. I'm a comic. Anyway. I have to. <laughs> okay. So here we are. Here's a two for Tuesday by our featured artist. Today, Shana Ross right here on The Gurk Show. We are doing All or None and Little Girl. Big hit down in Mumbai, India. <laughs> here on IndieScenedRadio.com. All indie, all the time. You got me biting on my lip. You got me reveling with all your dirty words. I'm so distracted by your hips.
big hit in Mumbai, India. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. You know, that's such a cool tune. Thank I, you very much. I, I mean, it really is. It's well, well composed, well arranged, and your voice is crystal. I, I, I don't know. It's party town, little girl. You know, wonder the folks in India like it. They don't have party towns. <laughs> uh, I think anybody would like that. I'm going to throw that right into the player, man. We'll play that five times a day for the next three years. How's that sound? You must like chick singers a lot. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't know. Maybe it was this, I don't know. Uh, when I, you know, I, I grew up in a big family, right? We had uh, okay. six kids, right? Uh, actually, seven. Uh, I forget my sister. Sorry. It was... <laughs> She's easy to forget. No, she's not, actually. <laughs> That's the problem. No, I'm kidding. I love my sister, Judy. No, uh, but there were six boys and one girl. And in fact, we had oh, two girls that were died in the 50s that were preemies. So I might not have even been here. Maybe that's why it's like my life's tribute is to girls. But when I was really young, you know, like my older brothers, they'd come over with girlfriends. And, and here I am, like three and four years old, walking over and sitting there. And, and I don't know what it was. I just liked the feel of their nylons. Right. So I'd... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine that. And since then, I don't know chick bands, chick singers, chick murderers. I don't know. I I just I just I don't know about the murderers thing. But well, um... we all have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> we will mess a dude up. You know that's right. And how does that work? Right. It's as though. Women are born with the men's playbook. That's true. I think uh, the natural ability to like kind of suss someone out. We're very good at <laughs> to push their buttons. Yeah, and we like to like we will remember something from 15 years ago. <laughs> bring it up for no, like when we're pissed off for no reason. I do that all the time. I used to date one of my best friends in the whole world, and he is a dirtbag. He's been in tons of bands. Right. And uh, I love the guy. He's my one of my best friends. He's really cool. And anytime I bring something up from 15 years ago, he goes, "Really? Seriously? Really? Yeah." And he's like. All right, why don't you bring up the time that I don't remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the reason why I say they're born with a playbook, because, you know, a few years, a couple of decades back, I was married, and my stepdaughter, who was all of like, I don't know, what is it, 18 months or so, 20 months old. Okay. Um, she sat there, and I couldn't believe how, I don't remember the exact situation, but there was a point where I was sitting there, and she was saying or doing something and gave me this look like she, <laughs> like she knew that she was pushing my buttons. And I looked yep. at her, and I just said, you pushing my buttons? And then there was this evil grin in her eye. And I stood up and I said, I give up. And and her mother came in. She goes, what's the matter? I go, it's inbred. She goes, what? I said, this, is, this less than two-year-old is sitting here knowingly pushing my buttons. And of and course, you know, you know, she was, that was. Her mom? Yeah, her mom. 
and a, a, you know yeah. it was mom approved because she was on the floor laughing about it right and it was like yeah, i just couldn't course. believe it it was like from then on i just knew i don't know girls have the playbook on guys it's a, sure it's a losing battle sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. there's a there's a, a couple of us that are like why doesn't he like me and we go after the wrong types you know the guys that want to break our hearts but yeah uh, or the dirt bags. <laughs> I could never really understand that. What is it about that? Is it really truly that whole primal thing about, you know, girls just want guys that are just rough and rugged and ready bad to boys. kill? Yeah, bad boys. Bad right? boys. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a primal genetic code kind of thing from what I've read and learned. They they You well, can't yeah. help it. It's like, you know, it's like a fly going into the light, right? Hey, stop, you'll burn up. I can't help it. Everybody always asks me what my type is, and I always pull up a picture from the internet of Sebastian Bach <laughs> um, from, like, 1987, and he's in... And here's why. This is why I like guys with long hair and dirt bags because my older cousin used to have all these posters on her wall of all the metal guys. Right. And she had one of Sebastian Bach, and it was him in a pair of red leather pants. Like right. the tightest pants. And you know, he looks like a girl. Like, that's how pretty he is. Right. Or he used to. Now he's Well, then, yeah. Now he, looks like, <laughs> now he looks like the mechanic up the street. But yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. a great guy. I, I've met him. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. So have I. Uh, <laughs> And I almost shit myself. I was so excited. <laughs> horrible. Um, and so he was like in these red leather pants and lying down. And to this day, anyone asked, they go, really? That's your type? I'm like, yeah. Because when I was eight years old, I used to stare at that and go, hello? That's it? <laughs> and I used to get like excited and like oh, a fuzzy feeling about Sebastian Bach. So, so the poster spoke back to you, right? But only in your dreams. Yeah, that and yeah. New Kids on the Block. I had really weird taste in music. Well, there you go. There's a 180 degree swipe, right? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna like, go oh, to the oh, dirt oh, bags, oh, yeah, to like, the pretty, pretty dance boys, right? The, yeah. The boy bands. My dad once told me I used to play softball, and I was like 10 years old. And my dad once told me, and I don't think I've ever told this to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> my dad once said. Oh, uh, we have a surprise at the softball game today. And I, like, in my head made up that New Kids on the Block was going to be there. <laughs> and that wasn't the surprise. I think there was, like, a cake afterwards. <laughs> but to this day, that is the one thing my dad has let me down about. New Kids on the Block did not make the softball game. <laughs> <laughs> did he did he like kind of elude or was it just like we nope. have this really big surprise and he looked at you and gave you this wink like oh, no is, he no? just said we had a surprise and i thought new kids on the block's gonna be there for sure i was manifesting okay? you were you leave were convinced right yeah leave me alone i was trying to visualize my dreams coming true. So, ladies and gentlemen early days of an obsessive stalker Right? Yeah, pretty much, right? Like, That's yeah. all right. That's we all did that sort of thing. Just I don't know. Not if to I, that level. I never yeah. really went to that level. <laughs> exactly. I have a good imagination. Okay. It's all like, good. though. No, you have to have a good imagination. I mean, how else would you create songs and or like jokes, right? You know, I mean. Uh, 
mostly my material doesn't come from imagination. <laughs> it comes from reality. But, yeah. you know, you're going to have the imagination to be able to put it all together, you know, because yeah, no, if it course. was that easy, everybody would be doing it, right? That's true. And it's it's not easy. Comedy's not very easy. And, no way. And I know this because I've died on stage. Like, you die a horrible death. Ah. Right. And, um, After the third like, joke in a row, there's no laughs. You're like, okay, can I just cut my throat uh, now? You, well, you just have to, that's part of it. You have to get through it. Right. And the people that um, get through it and that survive it are the people that continue with it. Because I've seen a lot of people in Los Angeles, like a lot of guys or a lot of females come in and they try doing comedy because they think it'll help with their career and they're there for the wrong reasons. You really got to do it because you love it and because right. it's something you, you have a lot of passion about. Right, 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 right. Well, that's, a, I mean, you know, as an artist, right, it's so funny because, you know, you, you, you talk to people, I guess, the non-artistic people, right, the layman, so to speak, for arts, and... You mention art, and they'll think a painter or a musician, but they'll never think of a comedian right out of the gate. But it's just no, as never. much of an art, which I think is a total disservice to the craft. It's very different than anything in the arts because we're expected to get on stage and do not only be funny, but be able to do improv and right. to be able to like, like keep it going. And um, the way I approach my stand-up, my act, right? The way yeah. I approach my act mm -hmm. is I never know what I'm going to say. A joke never comes out the same way twice. Cool. Uh, and then also, I just, I kind of treat it as if it's a rock show. Because if a song isn't working, you don't play the song that sounds exactly like that song. Right. You want to move to one of your hits. Right. Uh, and so if a joke isn't working, I will stop telling that joke right in the middle. Right. I don't care. Like I'll kill just stop. it. Yeah, I just stop or I'll make fun of the joke and I'll just switch to something called crowd work where you've probably seen a, a comedy show where the comedian is talking to the audience. Don Rickles, classic. That's my favorite guy. And, yeah. Uh, and that's uh, called crowd work. Yeah. And the first time I ever did that and said, okay, I'm going to move away from my act, my monologue, just talking to the audience without really talking Interacting, to them. right, right. Yeah. And um, the first time I did it, I was so, so, so frightened. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I had decided I was going to do it before I went up. And I was so nervous. Um, and then I was, and then you get into it when right. you're there and, and it's working. It's the best feeling in the world. Sure. You know, although I think it could be called audience abuse in Don Rickles' case, right? Because <laughs> that guy would, we would almost, you know, if he wasn't funny, he'd be making people cry. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I think there's people that go after audiences harder. I think Don, what he, he would do is he would make fun of them. Right. But he wouldn't go after them personally. A lot of times he would make fun of like. Quirks. Uh, yeah. Like if there was an Asian person, he would say, look at the Chinaman. And it could be any Asian person. Right. <laughs> you know, so. He would just do these things or he would call women broads. What kind of broad are you? And right, right. I've studied Rickles because I love him. He he's is great. My, yeah, he was he's my great. Favorite. 
And he he always went after the crowd, but he had a good heart. Right. He always, right. He always thanked them. Uh, or if you ever see the old Dean Martin roasts. Yep. Um, anyone he roasts, uh, after he's done roasting them, he goes, uh, I love this person. I wish them nothing but the best. May God bless them. And then uh, that's how he always ends his act. Right, or he, right. Before he used to end his act, yeah. Definitely. I, I mean, my type of guys that I kind of grew up liking, obviously Don Rickles, uh, Bob Newhart, although he was a bit yeah. more dry, kind of a deadpan thing. Where they were I, best friends. I was into the animated guys like Jonathan Winters, right? Um, and That was uh, Robin Williams' favorite comic, Jonathan Right, Williams. right. Uh, Jonathan Winters, man. That guy could just make you laugh and not say a thing. It was just unbelievable how he could be, and and then I graduated, of course, to Carlin, and then yep. and then uh, Richard Pryor, right? And he kind of broke all the rules. And... Well, Richard Pryor invented modern stand-up, right? Because before Richard, there wasn't that interaction with the crowd. There wasn't that real personal. He also was saying and doing things that no one. I mean. If you look at his really early stand-up, because he did some television spots. Yes, he did. It's, it's not the same, like in the 60s, it's not the same thing he was doing in the 70s. And oh. what he did was change the face of comedy forever. And he gave a voice to a lot of the people who, who like, he would talk about his family. His dad was a pimp. His mom was a prostitute. Right. And you... Wouldn't believe it, but that's what his life was. That's it really was, was, right? I just yeah. saw this documentary on him on on cable TV, and it talked all about all of that. And um, and so then that, that actually ties right into how you're influenced by Richard Pryor because sure. you talk about your own life experiences, right? I talk about yes. I I do a lot of um, stories. I also do a lot of self deprecation. That's kind of a um, Joan Rivers did that a lot. Right, they called right. me uh, in in the UK. I was dubbed the punk rock Joan Rivers, which I couldn't get a better association experience. Yeah, yeah. Like if if they call me that, like that's actually a, a real. I don't know. It's it made me feel so happy and so like okay, maybe I'm on the right path. And well, sure. I mean, they, they're they're comparing you to yeah. a staple. Yeah. In in the in the comedy world, I mean, her and what it was a uh, uh, Phyllis Diller, right? Phyllis right. Diller was into self-deprecation all the time, right? Yeah, I think women do it more. Women talk about sex probably more than men do. I mean, <laughs> Dice does it all the time. Right. Um, I I got to see Dice last week, last Monday. He stopped into the comedy store, mm -hmm. and he is one of my absolute favorites. It's like. My three top, and it's going to sound weird, is Don Rickles, Joan Rivers, and Andrew Dice Clay. Right. And Dice, I just loved from when I was a kid because he was on TV in the 90s and he would say things that I didn't even understand. <laughs> like, I, what, what's this, like, uh, uh, Little Boy Blue. Uh, and, like, then he would say something very disgusting. Right. <laughs> um, about him, you know, like he he would say things, and then we would look at each other, or I'd have to ask my older brother, "What the hell was that about?" 
<laughs> little boy blue. He needed the money. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's so funny because his jokes ended up became, becoming so iconic with the uh, sports bar going beer drinking cargo short crew. They right. th- they were like saying his jokes with him in concert. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> That's yes. too and funny. They would they learned it from that. He actually. Um, uh, Rodney Dangerfield gave him a shot. Rodney Dangerfield had his own club, and then they they started doing all these programs because they realized to to do a comedy television show, stand up show, it doesn't cost anything, right? Because it's a bunch of comedians that want to go up, so you don't really have to pay them, right? And they want to get exposure, and all you need is a good camera, a couple good cameras, a microphone, and that's it. Right. That's all you need, right. and an audience that's ready. And so in the 80s, it started becoming super prevalent. And Dice uh, was um, asked to do Rodney Dangerfield's show, and that was what catapulted him. Yeah, and it was the, uh, God, I think I, you know what's funny is I saw that on HBO. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I still have the VHS tape of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm an but old he, guy. You know, he spoke to a generation like he that was a character he plays. What I do exactly. is, a, is a character. I'm not the like I'm not who I am on stage. If I was that person all the time, I'd be a excuse my language, but a dick. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not that person. I'm a different person when I go home and like my family knows me as a different person. But when I'm on stage, it only, be, it becomes really ruthless and it's like kill or be killed. I'm going to kill everyone there. I'm like, I'm not there to make anyone my friend. I'm not there. I'm just there to entertain you and for you to think I'm really cool. Right. And, and if you don't, I'll punch you in the face. I eat. I mean, not really. If you don't, I'll still get paid at the end of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh, don't laugh, doesn't matter. I get the checks. See ya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get them checks. Come on, yo. (laughs) So I'm starting to to get those checks. Start. Well, hey, you know, it's got to start somewhere. Um, Yeah, you you go for a long time without getting paid. Yeah, you know, it's the same, I think, for most artists, right? I mean, look, Van Gogh never sold one painting in his entire <laughs> life, right? And now everybody's making millions off the poor guy. Um, if you don't do it for free, then you're not really, like, you're not paying your dues. And right? you have to pay your dues. And in Los Angeles, there's a thing that we do. It's called open mics. We all call it mics. Yep. Uh, and if you're not going to the mics, if you're not putting in your time, nobody cares about you. Right. Right, because you're not going to just come out as a sensation. People are going to learn about you. Um, no, and you've got to prove yourself, right? It's Yeah, it's, and for music, I was doing music my whole life. I started singing at six years old, and I got lucky, and I did a couple cool things. Yeah. But um, it never went anywhere. It never – it did. Like, I got to – don't get me wrong. I played all the cool clubs in Los Angeles, and people in Los Angeles know me as a singer. and right. like. I still tell people I'm the best rock and roll singer in Los Angeles because if you don't think you are, then why are you doing it? Why would anybody want to think that you are? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to believe in yourself more than anybody. But I kept hitting a wall with music and I kept getting down on myself. And with comedy, I've had so much 
uh, success at an early stage and I've been super blessed and and it's all because I keep saying I'll do anything I'll, you know after my mom got sick I said I'm just gonna say yes to everything right whereas before I thought I was too good for for gigs or I right. thought I was too good for, for like oh how much are they gonna pay me that I'm not gonna do it and now I really believe you do things and then uh, th what you put out comes back to you I'm still waiting <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not doing it the right way. Who knows? But you've been doing it the right way. You even got an IMDb page for yeah. your role <laughs> in the full cast and crew, right? How did you get that late, late, later show gig? Oh, okay. So you have been doing some research. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the page right now. Yeah, so I was in uh, Europe last year. I'm actually going back. I was in Europe for several times last year working. Yeah. But I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to meet this uh, very prevalent journalist. Everybody knows him. His name is Gary Bushell. Mm -hmm. And he writes a lot of gossip columns. He had his own television show. But he is a punk rocker. He started off in punk rock in the 70s. Uh -huh. and wrote Ozzy Osbourne's first book. He went on tour with Ozzy. He went on tour with Iron Maiden. And he was the guy that really put heavy metal on the map. Yeah. And everybody knows him in, in England. And he has his own podcast. He put me on that. And we met. And it was just kind of like this thing that it was. we knew each other for years almost. And he loved my comedy. He loved what I was doing. He really was one of the first people that said, I really believe in you. He right. said, I believe in you. You're supposed to be doing this. Right. He, he was given the opportunity to do a pilot for a talk show, and it was in Vegas, and he said, I want you to be the, my guest, and I want you to do comedy, and I said, you got it, Gare. Cool. And um, he's just been super supportive, and I get to go back to Europe pretty soon. I'm going back to England to do the big festival. I don't want to say what it is yet, but um, it does have something to do with music. Cool. Uh, but I'll be announcing it pretty soon once like everything uh, goes through. Well, you know, by sure, tag me so I can share it out and help uh, promote I that will, kind of thing. I will, for sure, yeah. It's I'm just very, that kind uh, of guy, you know? I don't mind yeah, it. Yeah. I like doing that. <laughs> Yeah. The more you help people, the more it comes back to you. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, okay. I do know. I... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it comes in the way of a I don't know a two dollar winning lottery ticket or something. Yeah. Because I get plenty of those. You know. The one but, thing the one thing I tell people is appreciate everything around you, and when you appreciate things the universe will reward you by giving you more. And you might be helping people and feeling, why am I not getting success? You have to believe, like, you have to look at all your successes and say, well, this has been a success for me. And, and I try to look back, and instead of saying I was a failure at music, now I try to look back and see all the fun things I got to do. I got to do Warp Tour. I right. got to play every club in Los Angeles. I got to play, I got to work with really really talented musicians and if i wanted to put a band together tomorrow i can't i can right, just call right. up a bunch of dudes and there's my band and yeah and see so those kind of 
um, those kind of milestones are not everybody's story, right? It's um, that makes your story that much more unique in the sense that um, you would just uh, the right place, the right time, the right skill, and you went with it. And your attitude yeah. is what helps you sustain what you're doing today. Otherwise, you'd probably go back home and cry, right? <laughs> I try to find the funny in everything. I try to look for, um, even if something bad happens to me, I look for the funny in it because I've made so many jokes about my mother in yeah. the last few years. And, and really, everybody's like, well, why don't you write a song? And I, for me, I don't want to write a song. Right. I don't, because the next time I pick up my guitar, that song is going to be about my mom's illness. And I don't want that. Right. I don't Right. I'm not ready for that song. Right. Yet. My mom's still around. Right. But um, but I can write jokes and I can tell jokes about my family and they are so supportive and love it. And I'm I couldn't be more thankful and grateful for the people in my life. That's so cool. That's so cool. You know, <laughs> uh, we're we're birds of a feather, right? I often have said the very same thing. I find the humor in everything. And they go, well, yeah. that's not such a bad thing. I'm going, oh, well, it is at funerals. Trust me. Yeah, no, you look and like, oh, ha like I was at a funeral and I was, and we still talk about it. I must have been 14 or 15 and we were at this funeral and this old lady fell down on my grandfather's grave. <laughs> like everybody's timid is like, did you see he pulled her down? Like, oh. <laughs> poor, like, like she looked like like someone had grabbed the chair and pulled it down and so we we laugh about it and we laugh about silly things and and um my dog who's no longer with us i mean he's dead i mean the dog's dead right <laughs> we still talk about him at almost every family function someone brings him up <laughs> and something stupid he did because he was a dummy <laughs> He must, it's a famous dog. Why is he famous? Because he was dumb as a dog. He <laughs> well, was... yeah, it's just like he would do things like uh, that would make us all laugh. And at the time, they were really scary and life-threatening to him. Right. But now we all laugh. And, oh, remember the time the dog fell in the bay and my dad and brother had to pick him up? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Is the dog in a panic and it turns into fodder for the family after he's dead? Well, you know, that's kind of normal, right? Everybody jokes about dead people all the time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? Well, look, we we talked about your uh, IMDb fame. Yeah. And sure, yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'm looking at this backstage page. I'm not going to read anything from it, but that's kind of like a little resume thing. I didn't even know that existed. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah you, there's a lot of stuff out there when you're in the entertainment industry, especially when you're trying to do comedy or acting. And I never thought I'd be an actress and right. I'd do that. But you have to put a lot of content out. And it's different for like musicians because musicians want to be the coolest thing. And there's a product, right? right. You're selling music. Right. You, could take, you could take whatever you have and then that's your product. But my product is me. Right. <laughs> like, I'm the product. I have to sell myself. It's, and you do such a fine job. 
You, I'm good at talking, dude. <laughs> oh, she's selling the talking. All right, sorry, I was going down the wrong end. All right, so speaking of that, I mean, we, we've got this tune, three yep. more tunes of yours. I got Sex on Film and Take Me oh. to the Dance Floor. Now, uh, Take Me to the Dance Floor, that is just so, you know, it's um, very much... <laughs> Uh, apropos to the title, right? It's it's disco. Oh, yeah. It's the dance from kind of thing going, which I liked. I thought it was kind of cool. It was like a nice little thing back. But uh, sex on film. Now, you know, that's not necessarily about porn, is it? Yep, it is. Not my mom's favorite song. Although <laughs> my father, my dad loves that song. Uh, so the song... You'll listen to the, I don't know, most people don't listen to lyrics. Maybe you'll listen to this song's lyrics. Yeah. But it's about fantasizing a, about a porn star and trying to have them with you. Right. <laughs> in real life and, and the fantasy coming to real life. And my my dad, I'll talk about my dad again because I love him so much. He One time he goes, you know, you should really try to get that song to the AVN Awards. And I was like, Dad. You're my dad. You're not supposed to say shit like that. <laughs> so, you know, it, that reminds me of, like, the saying in families, like, you know, the fruit never really falls far from the tree, right? So your no. mom was into bad boys, right? No. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad might be listening. My dad was, <laughs> and he was like, He's probably, like, shining his bad boy badge right now. Yep, that's me. Yep. Uh, yeah, my dad has some stories, and he likes to, like, show off. And, <laughs> oh, he was the coolest guy in his college. And if you look, if you saw pictures of my father from the 70s, you right. would go, oh, that's where she gets it from. Yeah. But he had a big afro, and, like, they used to come, my dad's name is Tom, and they used to call him Tie-Dye Tommy. Tie-Dye Tommy. Yeah, and I'm t this is... This is a true story. We were sitting around after like a family dinner the other day, and it was just me, my older brother, my mom, and then my dad. And I looked at my dad because I've never tried drugs. I've never tried drugs. And I said, Hey, dad, what's cocaine like? Right. And my dad goes, Why are you guys looking at me for this? And we're like, Because we know you did it, dude. Because you're tie dye Tom, dude. <laughs> Tommy, yeah, tie dye Tommy's done the coke. <laughs> Oh, God, well, sorry. did he ever answer you, or what? Or did he just claim uh, ignorance? Yeah, I mean, my dad likes talking about, like, hanging out with bikers. Right. And he used to have a motorcycle, and um, he, I'm telling you, he had, like, a huge afro, and <laughs> looked like someone that you shouldn't introduce your parents to. Kind of like and, Angela Davis hair? Kind of Yeah, afro? like, right. yeah. I mean, my dad had, like, a real... <laughs> Real afro. He didn't look like if he was walking around the street today, people would just stare at him. <laughs> That's so I can true. Only imagine in the seventies, dude. <laughs> well, you know, back then it was, uh, you know, I don't know. Everybody had uh, each generation has their own little like quirks and things, right? But the seventies, from my personal experience and and comparing them to other decades and generations, I think it was probably the most dysfunctional decade of the 20th century. <laughs> you know what's crazy is my dad grew up in the 70s and he's from Los Angeles and he could have seen all this music. I was like, Dad, why didn't you go see all that music? Like, you could have seen Hendrix or anybody like Janis right. Joplin, Led Zeppelin. He's like, I was too busy having fun. 
<laughs> I'm too busy partying. And my mom now, all of a sudden, my mom's like, my mom is Iranian. She's from Iran. Okay. And so it's a very, like, it's such a contrast. And my mom, like, will tell me stories like, I saw Sharon. Well, she doesn't say it like that. She goes, I saw Cher. <laughs> and, like, she talks about, so she's like, I saw Cher and that husband of hers. The husband of hers was Greg Allman. <laughs> so so she, she saw Cher and Greg Allman at the whiskey. Um, she saw Elvis Presley in Las Vegas. And now she tells me. Right. <laughs> she's like, I... I have cancer. I saw Elvis. <laughs> you gotta love it, right? Because it's so good having a parent that has a broken English type accent, right? My father was from Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah. So he would, you know, my my friends, he'd bring them over, and <laughs> I would have to translate for him, right? Because he he would like sit there and say something like, "Well, you know, the point of view that is this." <laughs> And you're like, and they would look at me, and I say, yes. He he said the point of view is yeah, this. Yeah, I get I get accents because my mom has one. But uh, I, my little brother Daniel once sat there when he was like 12, and go he goes, hey mom, say three, and she goes Teddy, and I'm like, no, not tree, three mom, say three, and she's like Teddy, 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 and she got so pissed off at him. <laughs> Because she knew he was making fun of her. No, Mom, three. Well, you see, yeah, my father was older, right? He was 45 by the time I came along. So when I'm like five, he would tease me, right? Because he would and say... how many kids did your dad have? Uh, too many. Nine. <laughs> That's a Mexican. Yeah, right? Good Catholic Mexican. I, my mother's Irish, so people, they say, well, where are your family from? I'm like, I'm a Mexican-Irish. And they're like, whoa, that's quite the mix. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. I can drink and don't piss me off. You know? Yeah, just... your dad, good good for your dad, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was a stud. <laughs> Speaking of studs, sex on film and yep. uh, take me to the dance floor. These are the next two tunes we're going to play by... Awesome. Shayna Ross. I'm really excited to play this stuff. I, I I actually did listen to the lyrics, and I had something I was going to say about it, so I'm going to have to listen to the lyrics again, and maybe yeah. I can think of it before we close out the show. <laughs> We've got Shayna Ross, comedian, singer extraordinaire out of Los Angeles, California, live on the Gerg Show for you right here, right now on IndieScenedRadio.com. All indie, all the time.
you know, did your dad, speaking of families, you know, although he had the afro, did he have the porn stash too? Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> All through the 80s, 90s, my dad had like, my dad had aviator glasses before they were hip again. Never oh my hit. God, that's too and funny. Yeah, aviator glasses, the mustache. He was, was doing it up. Yeah, you know, you got to carry your style, right? A lot of people like to change, and that's so cool. There's no, nothing wrong <laughs> with being eclectic and updating your style, but there are definitely those stalwarts that, that want to wear those. You know, they're just the same kind of concept. Yep. Maybe maybe not necessarily this. Uh, like, uh, we were joking during the song, during that last song, and it's like, man, you know, this is like, it's too bad I threw out all my polyester pants, right? Because it was definitely, that's disco, wisco. Yeah, they don't even write nice. dance music like that these days, right? <laughs> because it's so much like the, you know, like the, the disco stuff of the 70s. It really is. It's like you pulled that right out. Yeah. yeah, and the thing about me, me as a songwriter, I'm very good at emulating different styles. And so I was listening to a lot of Donna Summers. I was listening to a lot of disco um, at the time. And it just kind of naturally happened when I, uh, that line, like, why don't you take me to the dance floor? Right. That was just came out of my brain. And um, such an easy song to write. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then it came out, I mean, really, it came out beautifully. I can't really um, talk bad about any of the stuff I've done because I've been very, very lucky, and I keep saying that, but I've been very lucky to work with very talented people and musicians, and I'm very grateful for that. It's, it's a perfect disco song. I swear to yeah. God. You could have played that in the 70s, and nobody would have thought anything different. You know, no, it would yeah. it just fit right in. It was well done. And so I guess the question, you know, because we were talking and laughing and joking uh, during the song playing these last two songs. And I was going to listen to the lyrics of Sex on Film because there was something in there that I was going to try to ask about <laughs> to be funny. But I guess the only thing I could remember once the other songs started playing, I'm like, oh, I was supposed to listen to that song. Um, it, was that you breathing yeah. heavy on the end or you know, was that from that was me breathing? Yes, it yeah. was. I used you. to do that a lot. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. In I was in punk bands forever, so I was in punk bands growing up, and in my early twenties, and I would be screaming so hard at the end of it, I would go <laughs> like to the audience, which is kind of frightening, but works. Like it, it makes an impact, and um, and. So at the end of that song, I remember just doing that in the microphone and the producer uh, just went, oh, my God. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, baby. You hit the spot to keep breathing yeah. like that. Yeah, that's so cool. It's a very sexually charged song. And um, I know I've been talking about my family and my father uh, quite a bit, but people ask them like how do you deal with Shayna singing these types of songs or and now it's telling these really I mean I get on stage and I tell really dirty jokes mm -hmm. and um my my family are pretty liberal my mom you know she's from a, a different she's from the Middle East so right. it's a little harder for her to understand but when she sees the joke and how people are responding to it she realizes it's just a joke i'm right. not taking 
walking home guys from the show. Yeah, sar sarcasm doesn't necessarily play a key role in Iranian, right? No, yeah, it's not, it's not, although they are very funny. I, I probably get uh, all my funniness from my mother. My mom is probably, she's the funniest person I know. And <laughs> she says things to me and I just die laughing because she knows she's being funny. Right. And like when she really wants to throw something in my face, as mothers do. Right. No <laughs> she goes, way. You're only funny because of me. And a lot of that is true. <laughs> She's right. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, look, we've got about nine minutes left to the show. I wanted to talk about things that you got coming up. Now, you were teasing about not having gigs lined up, but you're playing. You're going to be at the Comedy Store in Hollywood on August 10th, right? And in September? Uh, I'm, no, I'm going to be, and you probably caught those dates wrong. I'm going to be at the Comedy Store on uh, on March Oh, sorry, not March. It's May. It's May 24th I'll be there. I'll be there at um, 7 o'clock in the OR, the original room. Okay. Um, I'm getting ready to go to the UK, so I'll probably be going out there in July, early, uh, well, mid-July, and I always line up gigs. So you can check my Instagram, which is Shayna, S-H-A-Y-N-A underscore who, W-H-O, I always post things on that. We're rebuilding my website right now, so yeah. um, I'll have more day. I'll have newer dates on that. Uh, but, so that is what I'm referencing. So forgive me. Yeah. So uh, what, do you have? I mean, are those shows still booked that that are up there, or are those like those from 2018? No, those yeah, those are 2018. So uh, we're okay. we are rebuilding that site right ah, now. Cool. And uh, we are we're um, well. I'm getting ready to go back to the UK and do a bunch of shows there, and I'll. Uh, post the uh, uh, the dates that I'll be doing that. Oh, and absolutely! By all I'm means. Up, yeah, I'm lining up a tour for Florida uh, in mid August. So oh, cool! I'll, I'll be doing a bunch of dates, and we might be going up to Georgia. I got a bunch of friends in Florida, all over the place, actually, because yeah. I do music from all over the all over the world, right? Sure. Independent music from everywhere, and so. Yeah, let's stay in touch. I'll be try to get some people to show up at your shows and see if I can hire any good hecklers. See if they can actually last against the, <laughs> against the D. Shana Ross. Um, well, look, I really appreciate you coming on to the show. This has been a lot of fun. Definitely. And look, although we we talked a lot about family and comedy and this or some music, but you could really just flip the switch and start doing the music. And, and oh, it, I know, and uh, I still, I still do perform. I get hired to do a bunch of um, vocal stuff in the studio for other artists and and for other um, projects. So I'm still singing. It's not like I'm not singing, and I'm singing a little bit in my act now as well. Oh, cool! Uh -huh, yeah. Very cool. Do you have any videos up your vi your YouTube channel? Do you have any singing videos up there the, of you like doing your routine with the singing, or is that something that's coming? No, that's all. That's all coming. I try not to put up too much stand up because right. the minute it's out, then you can't use it for a special, and you can't. So I'm building up my act right now. And there's um, the difference between the music yeah. and comedy, right? Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Very. But very I plan cool. on doing like some sketches and putting things out like that that are funny, and um, that's all coming. And I'm working on uh, different projects with my writing partner as well as a podcast. So cool. Look 
for uh, look for that in the future. Well, by all means. Well, again, this has been a, a real a pleasure having you here on it's the been show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, shanaross.com. Yeah, that's S-H-A-Y-N-A-R-O-S-S.com for all things as Shayna, and she's got all the links there for her social media, all kinds of really cool little graphic things and links and connect and stay in touch with her. If you're in the UK, folks, be sure to go see one of her shows. I mean, how many times do you get to see, uh, you know, the punk rock Joan Rivers, right? Uh, not, yeah. Not very many. Well, look, so we've got this song, We're Young. Now, is this a, a play on words, or was this like a real, like, look? You Are know, you saying I'm old, dude? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I'm old, right? But, you know, even at my age, right, I'm still young to somebody who's older, right? And, uh, so what's what's We're Young? Uh, what was the inspiration for this song? I was in love with someone at the time, very, very in love, and it was a song um, it, for him, and it's not a ballad, but it's almost like um, it's very like the song style is very Pat Benatar, right? And it's mm, I'm trying to think of the proper terminology. I just wanted to express the way I felt about our relationship and that we could conquer anything, and um, and obviously it didn't work out, <laughs> right? Right. Well, but uh, but it but it's a lasting uh, reminder that love can conquer anything and you can do anything if you believe in each other right right well that's very sweet it's really you know the way what i was thinking was like well it kind of sounds like you're hitting on that whole thing where well have you got a job to fill yeah well hire an 18 year old while they still know everything <laughs> right so, yeah. right no it's more no the lyric is we're young we're strong and we're willing to do anything um and like it was a fight song it's like let's go out and fight together ah we're young we're youthful and f you for not being so <laughs> that's yeah, i don't know if i'm saying well there's a little bit of snootiness in it i guess but it's more just like let's let's um conquer the world together that's so sweet well cool again thank you so much it's been a, a blast having you here ladies and gentlemen we have been featuring the uh singer comedian extraordinaire shana ross out of los angeles california we're gonna finish off our feature with her song we're young kind of a, a cheerleading we're young we can conquer the world it's not a political song, folks. No, it's, nope. <laughs> it's about teenage love and not knowing anything, but knowing everything, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> right here on The Gerg Show. I certainly hope you enjoyed our feature tonight. I had a blast. So peace, Thank love, you. and all that stuff. Have yourselves a wonderful night, an even better hump day. And I hope to have you back here mm, Thursday night. We're going to be featuring Monk Dwayne, Mr. Soul himself out of Boston, Massachusetts, right here on The Gerg Show. And you're listening to IndieScenerradio.com. All indie, all the time.
you're listening to IndieScenedRadio.com. All indie, all the time.